We all need a shot of encouragement to keep us going. A new beginning with Greg Laurie is sure to help in your journey of faith. Hear it twice daily. Details at vision.org.au. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Very special guest with me in the studio this morning who um, has been described as a bit of a sports tragic. A cricket tragic, actually, to be precise. Uh, a man who uh, likes to work with sports people as a chaplain, Artie Shepherd. Good morning. Morning, Phil. Great to be with you is that and a, your listeners. Is that an apt description? I would say, oh, mate, I, I love all sport, but I am a cricket tragic. What is it about cricket that does it for you? It's the... <laughs> it's, it's the... It's the pace. It's, it's the, the fast pace. Well, it's, yeah, exactly. That's right. It's, there's nothing like laying on the lounge in the middle of summer with the sound of cricket on the background to go to sleep to. Watching a test for five days and still not having a result. That's right. I'm, I'm one of those people who can watch every ball of a test match. Okay. Uh, it, it's... It's the battle of it. It's the and it is things like that. You can have a five day match like we just saw with the Ashes recently in England. That it's you know it's back and forth for five days, mm. and either yeah you don't have a result, or after five days it literally comes down to the last few minutes of the day. It's incredible. So let's get get this out of the way first. This was many years ago now, but the underarm incident mm-hmm. was it was it uh, justified? Look, it was a sad day. <laughs> Not one of Australia's finest days. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Um, and I guess if uh, if one of us was a New Zealander here, then we'd be having a different conversation. Well, so. the other side to it, Phil, is anything to beat New Zealand is worth doing. Well, there we go. But anyway, let's not get into that this morning. We will talk a little sports stuff a bit later on, but kind of the, the context of that you're involved in it as a chaplain, and it fascinates me. Uh, people who go into that sort of space, it's it's ministry, but in a very different context. But we'll get to that. Uh, let's get a few other details out of the way. It, it, the, the quick elevator pitch of, mm-hmm. of your life in a nutshell right now. What does it look like? Okay. Uh, right now, I live in beautiful Brisbane in Queensland mm-hmm. uh, near the bay uh, with my wife, Alana, of uh, 25 years. We've oh, been married. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Quarter just, of a ton. Right? It's just a sign of her patience. Um <laughs> And our three children, young adult children, um, they are 23, 20, and 17. Uh, absolutely loving life. Our season right now is a little bit different. We, we get around and, and preach in different churches around mm-hmm. the place. Uh, and I'm working now as also a, a chaplain for Queensland Police. Oh, right. Uh, which is an incredible role. The police see some pretty tough stuff in their job. They see the worst of things and yeah. the best of things. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, it is an incredible privilege to be in this role. Uh, I only started uh, three and a half months ago, and it has been a baptism of fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been just a series of critical incidents and a whole lot of different things I've had to get involved with, uh, really thrown in the deep end. Yeah. But it is an unbelievable privilege to walk alongside uh, the people who serve our community and often uh, – maybe don't get the thanks or the appreciation for that that mm. they, they probably deserve. Well, uh, one of my uh, sons is a policeman, and and I regularly go out of my way when I come across cops, even just passing on the street or whatever, to say, hey, appreciate what you guys do. I know you cop a lot of rubbish out there, mm. and uh, just know there's at least one of us out there loves what you do. And you wouldn't believe how much that means to them. Yeah, uh, they they often get quite awkward when you say thanks. Every every time I go into a station or I'm in a different room, a conversation, I'll always say thanks for what you do, and they always get a little bit awkward about it. Yeah, uh, but it means so much to them. Yeah, why are you a chaplain? What drives you in that direction? There's something about being outside. I, I'm also a church pastor. I've been a church pastor for 27 years, but there's something about being outside of the walls of the church and and being engaged with day-to-day people in our community, in whatever yeah. sphere that might be. And in a time when you know so much of the church is being pushed out of different parts of society in a lot of ways, it can, it can feel like that. Yeah. At the same time, doors are wide open for chaplains to be involved, whether it's hospitals, prisons, schools, the marketplace, different organizations bringing chaplains on board, uh, first responders, the defense forces, and so on. Mm. Uh, it's an incredible opportunity we've got to be – the representation of the goodness of God in those areas, but also just to come alongside and walk alongside because chaplaincy is not all about a faith uh, perspective. It's yeah. it's practically helping 
and and supporting people. I know a few chappies, and I know sometimes the struggle is in the stuff that you have to deal with because people are coming to you in their time of need often. I mean, there's a lot of other that sort of, I guess, ministry of presence. You're just hanging around with people. But, you know, those times when they they tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, chappie, I've got this big thing going on, and often it's really big, nasty mm. stuff. Mm. What do you do? How do you <laughs> keep yourself sane and keep yourself, you know, sweet and, and recharged? It's a great question, and it's a great challenge for, for every chaplain. Uh, the things that I've heard and been exposed to, uh, the things I've seen myself just in the past three and a half months, it's like nothing I've ever experienced before. Um, and so it's having those good supports in place for yourself. The things that we tell as a chaplain, the things we're telling other people to do, we've just got to be making sure we're doing it ourselves. Yeah, take your own advice. Uh, that's right. So my, my wife, is a she's a counsellor, so she's actually been a great sounding board. Um, the network of chaplains we have within the Queensland Police Service is really tight and really um, – looks out for each other that's been uh, that's been powerful and a real help to me um also the queensland police pay for me to see a professional supervisor a psychologist six times a year Mm. just to talk through stuff well that's becoming a lot more common now across a whole lot of professions that's right yeah and it's so useful i think people used to shy away from it in some ways uh but you know one of the most powerful things you can do to deal with any kind of negative experience or trauma, even if you go down the, the extent of trauma, one of the most powerful things you can do is just to talk about it. Mm. Yeah, it is. Well, we're going to do something powerful very shortly, and that is to take communion together. I love that we get to do this. Uh, you know, People all over the country in different contexts, but we are unified, even though we're separate you know, kind of geographically. How do we best prepare ourselves as we head in toward communion? Sure. And I guess this is another aspect to how do you deal with different things, you know, whether that's the, the extreme things that we were just talking about that you might be exposed to or the day-to-day things in someone's life. These spiritual moments are, are powerful. Mm. These spiritual moments, they're more than just a, a ceremony or, a, you know, a symbolic thing that we do. There's something powerful about it. And communion, as we center ourselves around reminding ourselves and focusing on the the broken body, the shed blood of Jesus and everything he did for us, there's something significant in that as we settle ourselves and pause Mm. and take a moment. Worship, conversation, prayer and teaching. This is Sunday Morning Together on Vision Christian Radio. So my guest today is Artie Shepherd. He's a chaplain. And he's going to lead us in communion. So, Artie, it's over to you. Thanks, Phil. As we come around this moment, and it is only a moment, but this can be a a really meaningful moment for all of us, wherever you are, as we join in this together, joining with believers literally all around the world, doing this same thing at either this same moment or in, in the moments around it. Let's make it really meaningful for ourselves. We we live in possibly the most distracted, busy, noisy time in history. It can be so difficult for us to carve out any of these kinds of moments to just pause, ponder, think, reflect about anything, really, anything in our lives, let alone thinking about and pondering on the goodness of God. But as we do this, these, you know, the Bible talks about, uh, it has the word selah. It's these selah moments. It's that, that moment to pause, ponder, reflect. That's what this is all about. And that's what I love about communion. It's so simple. It's so basic. Really, it's so humble. It's it's a fragile piece of, of you know, cracker or bread or whatever it is that you might be using and a, and a, a cup of juice or, or wine. And yet it's so holy and powerful. Psalm 103 Verses 1 to 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are those benefits? Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And as we take this these emblems in our hand as we take this cup and as we take this bread, uh, whatever it is you might be using, or like Phil said, you might not have anything with you right now, but but just imagining that in your hands, that piece of bread and that 
cup of juice, it represents the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, given for the forgiveness of sin, for the restoration of relationship with a loving God, and for our entry, my entry, your entry, into the new covenant of all of his promises, as the psalmist called them there, his benefits, all of his promises and benefits that are available freely for our lives. And all we need to do is accept them. And this moment, as we hold this in our hands, it's a moment of remembrance. It's a moment of quietness. It's a moment of reflection, but it's also a moment of acceptance. As we hold this and we take this, we are receiving and accepting all of the goodness of God, the blessing and the favor of God that is available to us through Jesus Christ. So just hold that in your hand and just pause for a moment. And I'm going to pray and then we'll take that together. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for the grace that you have shown to us through Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for this bread and this cup that represents your body broken for us, your blood shed for us once and for all for the forgiveness of sin, to bring us back into right relationship with you. And as we take this together, we thank you. We love you. We worship you. We honor you. And we accept and receive for ourselves everything that you have done for us and everything you have made available for us. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Now, I know you're a chaplain uh, to not only police, but cricket teams. That's right. How did you first become a chaplain in the cricket space? Great question. So uh, an opportunity came up to be the chaplain for Queensland cricket. And I'm, I'm passionate about cricket. Uh, I'd been involved when we were pastoring a church in Melbourne. I'd been involved in Sports Chaplaincy Australia for mm-hmm. a few years yep. and a great organization. Um, and so there was a possible opening uh, when we moved to Queensland uh, to become the chaplain there. Uh, unfortunately, that, that door closed fairly quickly. And so uh, I, can, I was able to connect. It was a random series of events. And often that, that's how God works, isn't mm, it? You that's know, right. It's just one thing after another and you just keep taking another step. And so I got introduced to a player in the the Queensland cricket squad who was a a Christian guy, great guy. Um, And so we just connected for coffee. And uh, and he said, well, why don't you just start turning up to training? Um, They they don't want an official chaplain at the moment, but just start getting to know people. Mm. So he said, you know, anyone can come and have a look at training. So I, I turned up and and he was there, and he came and said a quick hello and then had to go back and, and do his bowling. And, and so I'm watching all these guys. I was the only person there watching. Uh, and, you know, the squad are all looking at me like, who's this guy? What's he doing? Uh, why is he Exactly. <laughs> why is he here? Uh, and so I just kept turning up kind of awkwardly. Yeah, right. Turning up uh, week after week and eventually just got to meet a couple of the different guys. And, uh, and you know, we just started having some conversations. There were a couple of guys in the squad who were faith guys. And so we started having some conversations and, and you know, that led into having coffee and breakfast and having a chat and then just building connection, building relationship. Mm. Uh, until eventually uh, I was able to have a conversation with the performance manager at the time who you know, he said outright, he was just being honest with me. He was a good guy, but he said, look, we've, we've had some bad experiences in the past. We don't think we need a chaplain, uh, but some of the guys seem to like you, so you, you can hang around. You can hang around, yeah. Just stay out of the way. <laughs> and so it said, that's fine by me. And uh, I'm going to try over the next few years just to build some credibility and trust. And it took exactly three years before wow. that same performance manager then introduced me to somebody else and said, oh, have you met Artie? He's our chaplain. Oh, wow. And, huh. uh, and from there, it's just kind of grown. And it's a real privilege, again, uh, to be there as a volunteer, coming alongside, helping however I can. And usually it's it's conversations off the side. It's uh, it's phone calls, or it's text messages, or it's coffees, and it's uh, sometimes it's about faith and big questions of life. Uh, sometimes it's about relationship things, or whatever mm. it might be. Just coming alongside as another layer of support. I reckon there's a great lesson there for somebody today uh, who's sitting back and waiting for their opportunity to mm-hmm. turn up. That's it. Because you didn't do that. No, just turn up. You just jumped in. Be happy to be awkward if you need to be. <laughs> Um, and, and, and serve. That's right. And I guess be, you know, shadow off to the side 
Exactly. And, and just serve. There's a lot of people who want to be chaplains to elite sporting teams for different reasons. Yeah. But we are there, like you said, it, it's to serve. It's that ministry of presence. Uh, you're not there to get anything out of it. I'm not there for anything I can get from the players It's or, or the back office staff. It's for everybody. Mm. Um, but it has opened up some incredible opportunities and a real privilege. Sunday morning together on Vision Christian Radio. Well, my guest and co-host today is Artie Shepherd. He's a chaplain to the Queensland Police. He currently lives in Brisbane. He's also been a sports chaplain to various teams. And you might say, well, he's a Queenslander, died in the wool, but perhaps not. I understand the story is pretty well spread out all over the place. But let's start with where you were born, Artie. Uh, Phil, I was born on the Gold Coast. One okay. of the uh, well, you are of, a Queenslander. There, right? I am. I I bleed my own. Uh, <laughs> one of the few people who was born in the old Southport Hospital. Okay, all right. But you didn't stay there. What what happened? We moved around a lot. I I grew up on the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved then to Brisbane, and then we moved back to the Gold Coast, and then we went back to Brisbane, and then we moved to Darwin of all places. Oh wow! Okay. That was uh, for a couple of years, and then we moved to Adelaide for a couple of years. Uh, and then we came back to Brisbane and then uh, the Sunshine Coast. Okay. Uh, so that was kind of my, my upbringing, uh, a lot of moving around, mostly just with my, my um, dad's work. Mm. Uh, he was getting positions in different places, and so we shuffled around uh, and to Adelaide for family reasons and uh, then back to, yeah, ended up on the Sunshine Coast. Um, and uh, that's where I finished off schooling and and started in ministry and and so on there mm. yeah so uh, brothers sisters uh i'm one of eight wow yes where yeah where, yeah. where do you fall I, i'm right in the middle okay uh so no one, man's land in the middle <laughs> eh? <laughs> that's right uh one of eight children yeah uh, boys girls uh, uh, it's a whole mixture oh, okay it's, all right it's um it's four and four well, that's very, very even. That's right. Well, you, that's going, you, you really like the whole sporting thing, don't you? You've got the whole team <laughs> there. Exactly. I mean, with eight, what could you play with eight? Uh, good question. Basketball, maybe? Uh, basketball with three subs. Yeah, well, there you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but what was growing up like for you? Of course, moving around, that's a lot of change. I'm guessing mm. different schools and, mm. and having to find new friends and all that sort of stuff. It probably was part of... Yeah, well, it definitely was part of shaping me into who I became. And getting back to some of those things, I mean, being okay with being awkward mm. uh, and a little uncomfortable because I had to do that a lot You're of times. You're the new kid. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I was used to being that awkward new kid and then trying to find your place and find friends. And I, I'm a fairly social kind of person, so I was quickly able to connect with people. Uh, and so it was great to have different experiences all around the country and, and making different friends in different places and uh, getting to know different cities and how different things operate. Uh, so I, I loved my upbringing. Mm. Uh, I grew up in a mostly in a Christian home from when I was the age of three. My, my parents had a radical conversion to faith on the Gold Coast. Okay. Uh, what that, happened there? Uh, so they, uh, they weren't following Jesus. Uh, my dad had had an encounter with God many, many years before, uh, a radical encounter, but then over time had walked away from that. Uh, my mum had a, a some kind of a faith background. Uh, they they were together, and it was, it's it's a complicated, it's a blended family. So mm. uh, the older four children were from my my dad's first marriage, um, but um, and then I was the the eldest of this new relationship. Uh, but the older four were essentially being brought up by my mum. Mm. Um, and so they, there was a lot of conflict in the house between them. Dad was an alcoholic. He was a workaholic you know, by his own admission. And uh, got to a point where uh, mum said to him, I was only three years old, uh, but she was packing her bags. She was going to leave. Right. And he said, well, what if we, what if we try church? I remember when I was young, I went to a church. Uh, maybe we could try something like that. And so out of desperation, they turned up to a church in Labrador on the Gold Coast and um, had a radical conversion. And so from that point, basically, that's all I've ever known, mm. growing up in a family of faith. Mm. Yeah, well, at three years old, you, your memories probably don't even go back that far. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what an amazing uh, story of transformation. You know, God can reach out to anybody, but often we've got to get to that place, don't mm-hmm. we? We, we? We are a bit desperate. That's right. Put ourselves to one side and go, oh, I can't do this. Exactly. Unfortunately, it, it often has to get to that point. Yeah. 
So what happened as a teen? You know, you're often in the teenage years, you're kind of figuring out who you are and where you're going to go and mm. where you fit in the world. And sometimes you can go looking in all sorts of places that aren't healthy. Mm. What was it like for you? Uh, my story, I guess, wasn't the, you know, it's not the, t- the typical you know, as a teenager, I got involved in all the wrong things and all the, with all the wrong people. Well, praise God for that. Well, yeah. yeah, and that, you know, there was a time when I actually felt like I didn't have a testimony. You know, you'd have uh, testimony time in church or, you know, people would be asked yeah. to get there. And the testimony was always, you know, it was like a, I, I used to be a, a, a drug-dealing, drug-addicted axe murderer, um, you know, <laughs> with, with the craziest life. Uh, and then I found Jesus and now my life is boring. Yes. That's kind of what <laughs> what I heard everywhere. You know, it was the crazy stories because there's something about it that is powerful that yeah. how God can turn a life well, around. Well, they're the stories we love to hear. Absolutely. So we gravitate toward those. We do. And so for a long time, I kind of felt like, well, I don't really have a testimony mm. uh, until uh, someone said to me, well, your testimony is just as powerful because it's one of what God kept you from. Yeah. You know, rather than what maybe what he brought you out of. You've been you've been kept from all that stuff that will stand you in good stead. So through my teenage years, uh, I attended a, a Christian high school, um, and always had a sense that there was something that God wanted me to do with my life. You know that I wasn't just here by accident. There was a sense of calling and purpose. Always had that sense. But all I wanted to be was a either I wanted to play cricket for Australia. Well, that was never going to happen. Didn't quite get there. No, it was never going to happen. Um, or I wanted to be a pilot in the military. All right. And so uh, in year 12, I got a scholarship to the Australian Defence Force Academy. Uh, and I had two options. I could either go the, the academy path or I was also accepted in to do helicopter pilot training with the Royal Australian Navy. And uh, so I was, I thought, you know, I'm ready to live my dream. Uh, but just before moving down south uh, to, uh, sorry, just before moving off to the Navy, I uh, I went on a short term missions trip with my high school, right? And had a to where uh, it was it was in Fiji, but it was in all these little remote villages uh, and little remote islands that tourists never go to, and so we spent ten days just getting involved with the local churches and ministering and helping and practically as well as uh, you know spiritual things, and uh, it was a really impacting experience. And I came back from there and wrote to the Navy and said, I'm sorry, I'm not coming now. I'm going to Bible college. I just felt like. (laughs) Did they write back to you and said, what? (laughs) (laughs) Plenty of other people said to me, what? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. So how old were you then? Uh, So I was uh, 17, almost 18. I say nearly finished school. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. So uh, that was the end of year 12. And, uh, And so then I went off to Bible college for two years in Brisbane. Uh, at the end of that time, I really didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I was still young yep. and uh, just couldn't figure out what the next step was or what God had for me. And uh, so my Bible college principal at the time said, well, why don't you go back to the military, go do the pilot thing, get that out of your system. Uh, by the time you've done that, you'll still be young. So that afternoon, I went to the recruiting center and said, I want to reopen my application. And they said, you've missed the cutoff by two weeks. Oh, no. And that was for the Navy. I said, okay, well, what about the Air Force then? And they said, no, they're not taking any more pilots for a year. Okay, well, what about the Army? No, they're not taking any pilots for a year. And so for me, that was just a sign, okay, that door's closed. Mm. And so let's see what God's got for me. Mm. Yeah. And and do you fancy yourself as a Tom Cruise? Have you got the aviator glasses? Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> uh, we all would love to be Maverick, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, I, I, I was privileged to get to do a bit of flying. And so I, I did some private flying lessons and uh, was able to fly solo in a little Cessna. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Not quite like flying a, yeah, a yeah, fast not, jet. Yeah, it's not quite a Hornet. But no. you know, anyway, it's okay. That's it. Cessna, Hornet. <laughs> it's all good. Exactly. That's uh, good. So- um, you did figure out at some point what you were going to do then. So what happened? Um, again, through one of those, you know, you would you could say random conversations, mm. uh, but you can see it's the, it's the God setups. And so uh, all through my high school at uh, Nambour Christian College on the Sunshine Coast, mm-hmm. there was a pastor of a local church who would come and preach regularly at the school. And every time he would come, he didn't really know me, but every time he would come, he'd, you know, pull me out of the crowd and he'd just encourage me with with a scripture or something, you know, some kind of encouragement from God. And and it just really impacted me. 
And so we just ran into each other after I'd finished Bible college. And uh, I, he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm looking maybe to be, you know, do a youth internship somewhere. And he said, well, I'm looking for a youth intern. And so hmm. we connected uh, and I re-pioneered. It was, at that stage, it was only a small church in Mooloolaba on the Sunshine Coast. And uh, so I re-pioneered a youth ministry there. I think I started with, with four teenagers, okay. young teenagers who really didn't want to be there. <laughs> um, and so, you know, they were interesting years trying to kick something off from the ground. Um, and so we served there for a few years and um, and it was just one thing after another. Mm. Yeah. I'm guessing that that grew though, right? It, you managed to sort of persist and grow it, something there. It did grow uh, over the three years that we were there. Um, we ended up with a it was a Sunday night youth service with mm-hmm. with about fifty people in that, uh, and that they were really it was formation years. Like for me, I look back in horror sometimes at some of the things that you know that I did or that some of the the messages I preached uh the things that I thought were the right way to go about things yeah. but it was all learning yeah. uh I was getting very involved in our local high schools at the time uh and with ministries like Youth Alive and and really involved in in working right across the Sunshine Coast so it was really formative yeah. in my leadership and ministry well there's that scripture of course don't despise the day of small yeah. beginnings you know Absolutely. And, and I think there's a good lesson there for some of us who've got a few years under our belt now uh, when we see young people doing something and having a go and they don't get it right, mm-hmm. uh, you know, think back when you were that old age, you know? Exactly. It, it's easy to forget. Yeah. So what happened after that? Where, where did you end up? Because today, you know, you've been, you pastored churches. Today mm-hmm. you're in chaplaincy. Yeah. So I ended up becoming a school chaplain um, in a state high school. Okay. And it was a large state high school. Yeah. Uh, again, I was only young. Um, but I was working with, I, had, I forget what it was, 1,500 high school students or whatever it was then, uh, and really thrown in the deep end again, um, you know, doing a, a funeral for a 16-year-old student who mm-hmm. had uh, passed away from cancer and who I'd been working with um, in a very short period of time, uh, had led him to faith, uh, and in you know, a very short space of time, I'm doing a funeral and Gosh. I was 20, I don't know, 22 years old or something. Do you remember uh, how you felt that morning when you, you know, you had to do the funeral? Yeah, it was, um, it was quite a surreal experience um, coming alongside the family uh, and walking through the whole journey with them and leading this huge funeral service. Mm. Uh, it's, you know, the, the sense of the responsibility uh, to not only make it a great celebration of him, his name was Daniel, of Daniel's life, uh, and to make it a great send-off for him, for the family, but also in some way to try and carry a sense of the the authority and the presence of God in the midst of that. Mm. Uh, it, it's, it was an interesting experience. Yeah, yeah I can imagine it would be very difficult because there'd be a sense of injustice, you know, somebody mm. dying so young. Yeah, and people always ask the question, why? Yeah. Um, How could God allow this Exactly. To why did this happen? Why so young? Why Why do bad things happen to good people? I use that phrase uh, many times in funerals that I do now. Um, yeah. I, I stole that from a, a man who was my, my boss for a while, a pastor that I worked under. His son, who was a mate of mine, uh, his son passed away at the age of 27, also from cancer. Mm. And I'll never forget his dad standing at the funeral and saying, uh, today can be a sad day or a bad day. And he said that it is a sad day, but we don't, we're not going to let it be a bad day. And the difference is in the question you ask. Mm. He said, we asked the wrong question. We ask why. Why did this happen? Why did God allow this? Why do people go through pain? We will never answer those questions adequately this side of eternity. The better question to ask is what? What do I do from here? Mm. What do I do to respond to this? What do I do to make a difference in someone else's life? What do I do to honor the life of this person that we are celebrating today? And I've taken that and used it for yeah. myself many times in, in other funerals. Good advice. I can imagine that was one of those times in your life was a real defining sort of experience. Absolutely. What others have there been? Oh, gee, um, many. <laughs> um, I think... Moving from the Sunshine Coast to, we moved to Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne's a great city, 
It's it's a cold, wet city. Can be. Um, but uh, moving there and stepping into the leadership of a church as the senior pastors, uh, a church that had once been a really significant church, but had gone into a period of decline, and learning the the tightrope of uh, we want to move this forward, we want to take this into something, while also showing grace and allowing time for people to get on board and to catch the heart of what we were all about. Uh, again, powerful learning moments and you make a lot of mistakes along the way but you learn a lot of things and some of the things that we saw happen through that period of time that was uh, three years we led that church ourselves uh, and the honestly it was the closest thing that I've seen personally to something that you could you could call a revival it mm. was out of nowhere people literally coming in off, you know, we kind of use those phrases, people coming in off the street. And it literally was that. Mm. People coming in saying, I've never been to church. I don't know what this is about. I just feel like I need this. A bit like uh, your dad by the sound yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. And so that happened over and over and over again. And we saw the most phenomenal things happen. Uh, and it was really defining in shaping who, for me and my wife, who we are as people the things that are important to us, not important, the things we value, the things that are the non-negotiables, mm. it really was a big part of shaping all of that. Mm. Uh, my guest today is Artie Shepherd, who is a chaplain these days to the Queensland Police. He's also a chaplaincy, uh, or in chaplaincy rather, in uh, sport, Queensland cricket, Brisbane Heat, is that right? That's right, yep. Uh, and even international players. Yeah, what's, that's the, right. what's the story with that? Yeah, that's been a privilege. I mean, some of the international players are from Queensland. Right. Um, you know, I've been privileged to have built a great relationship with people like Manus Labuschagne, um, who's a, a great young guy, um, a young man of faith. He's quite public about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and my wife and I uh, were able to do their pre-marriage counselling, and I did his, his wedding ceremony. And so we, we built a, a great connection. But then beyond that, Again, getting back to that whole thing of being happy to be a little bit awkward and put yourself out there. Mm. Uh, a few years ago, I heard some of the South African cricket players were going to be in Brisbane. And uh, many of them have uh, either a very real faith or some kind of a faith basis. And so, you know, I took a bit of a shot and sent a message to one of them mm. <laughs> through Instagram. Didn't even know he, if he would see it <laughs> um, and invited him while they were in Brisbane to be at a church service. Uh, and he came straight back and said, we would love that. Yeah. And so there were, I think, four of them who came uh, to a particular service and they're all, they, like, they're superstars. Um, and so I was able to connect with them, connect them then with some of the Queensland players and all go out for dinner together and, and then that just kind of grew from there. And so mm. uh, when I first got involved with chaplaincy and cricket, there were very few professional Christian players around the country that I could find. There were literally at that stage the only one that, that there were, I think, two that are, or three that I knew of, and they were all in Queensland. And then over a period of time, you just started to meet different ones or, or people started to join different setups around the country. And so now in, uh, in most states – there are there are players who who have a faith, um, and we've been able to connect them together, and then connect these guys in other parts of the world as well. And so, there are players from uh, India, uh, New Zealand, South Africa, uh, the Netherlands, um, who are all connected together through this community. I, I formed a a WhatsApp group. Um, that we have a whole lot of them in, and they encourage each other, mm. pray for each other, That's good. share things with each other. Uh, and so then when they're traveling around the place, they've got connections there as well. Uh, again, it's just been a real privilege to help them out. It's an interesting dynamic these guys have to uh, sort of operate in because they're in the public limelight. Mm. And often, you know, I, I think about some high-profile uh, Christians have had a lot of intense heat in their direction. Mm. Uh, Israel Flower comes to mind as, mm -hmm. as, a, as a case in point. Um, but sometimes it's really hard for people in the public limelight mm. to live out their faith. What kind of advice do you give them? It's true. Uh, it's about just trying to be as real and normal as possible. Um, you know, they, they have been given a platform. That's the reality. They, they've got an opportunity to be listened to that many people will never have. But 
the pressure on them is immense. Everything they do is scrutinized. Everything they do is picked apart. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to say the right thing all the time. Mm. Uh, somebody is going to take it the wrong way. Yes. And so uh, my encouragement to them is to simply be as normal and as real as they possibly can be. That sounds like good advice for anybody, well, really. Absolutely. <laughs> in absolutely. Any context. Uh, you know, they don't have to try and pretend, they don't have to try and force anything. Um, it's just living out their faith mm. in a very real way. Mm. So let's just come back to you as we land this plane this morning because uh, we need to get you to get ready for the best five-minute message that we're going to hear this morning. That's coming up very shortly. But can I just say a compliment to you that you seem to be a really well-adjusted, got-your-head-screwed-on sort of person for someone who, as a kid, moved all around the country. And as I understand it, your background in your family is really diverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can you disclose that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, yes, so it, it, it is complicated. Um, well, what I've, what I've been told is you've got some Irish, some English, some French yep. and Chinese, a little bit of Scottish and German all thrown in there for good That's measure. That's right. It's, it's a Heinz mixture. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get to some of that um, possibly in the message. Actually, no, we won't. So uh, just to give you the, the quick little condensed version. So I did uh, spend a bit of time tracing back my, my family history and – uh, I found that, you know, go back about 250, 300 years and, and find a, a young man by the name of William Scoresby, who is uh, a farmhand on the moors of North Yorkshire. Mm. He runs away to join a sailing fleet. Over a period of time, he ends up owning the sailing fleet and becomes an incredibly wealthy man. And I've, I've been to England and I've seen that there's a museum where one half of the museum is dedicated to Captain Cook who we know well. Mm-hmm. The other half is dedicated to my great-great-great-great-grandfather, uh, William Scoresby, who most people don't know of. There's a suburb in Melbourne called Scoresby, yep. and it's it's named after his son, actually. Oh, right. Um, so, so you've got that whole thing happens. He becomes very wealthy, sends some of his family. Uh, he doesn't. It kind of flows through the family line. Uh, one of them sends some of the family to move to Australia as free settlers. Uh, at the same time, You've got one of my other, on the other side of my family, you've got one of my other great, 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 greats who was a member of the French aristocracy, leaves France as the rumblings of the French Revolution are happening, mm-hmm. moves his family to Jamaica um, in the Caribbean to try and you know get away from things, literally becomes a pirate of the Caribbean. Ah. <laughs> um, you know, he added it. it was well, called, you've got all sorts yeah, of Yeah, that's right. It, it's a bizarre story. Uh, and then at the same time, you've got a guy who moves from China, uh, Yu Lee was his name. He moved to Jamaica. Uh, and it's a series of events where one after the other, all these bits come together. And uh, ultimately, it ends up with an Irishman in the British Army passing through Jamaica who meets a girl who is uh, half Chinese, half French. Um, and they get married. They move to Australia and they connect with the other side of the family, this William Scoresby line who had settled in Australia, that's the Shepherds, and and you end and up with you me are. today. Oh, there you there go. There you go. Great, great story. <laughs> Maybe I should go do some digging in my own It's uh, fascinating what you, you can find. find something. Yeah, exactly. Thanks so much for sharing your story, Artie. So good. Uh, I will let you get ready here. Can you give us a little teaser of what's coming up in the best five-minute sermon we're going to hear today? I'm going to talk about being in the right place at the right time. Sunday morning together on Vision Christian Radio. Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 to 11, it, there's an account that we really only kind of talk about at Christmas time. It's the story of the, the wise men from the east who follow a star, uh, leading them to the, the birth of a new king who we know to be Jesus. But it says this in the message paraphrase of that passage. It says, Then the star appeared again, the same star they had seen in the eastern skies. It led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. They could hardly contain themselves. They were in the right place. They had arrived at the right time. They entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. Right place, right time. Have you ever found yourself in the right place at the right time? What about in the wrong place at the wrong time? That's not a good place to be. In 1996, it just so happened that I decided one night to visit a church small group that was led by some friends of mine. I was part of a different church at that time, and I didn't attend that particular small group. Unbeknownst to me, at the same time, 
a girl by the name of Alana, who is the most beautiful girl in the world, also decided to visit that same small group for the first time. Now, I had had a huge crush on Alana all through high school, but she was not interested in me at all and made it very clear. Well, that night, we both just happened to turn up to our mutual friends connect group. We were in the right place at the right time. And 27 years, 25 years of marriage and three children later, we still are. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11 says, The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. and The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. Those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It is all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. Now, there's a Hebrew word that's used in the Old Testament. The word is koror, Q-A-R-H, uh, koror. It's usually translated as, so it came to pass, or it so happened. It's a picture of being in the right place at the right time, with the idea that the, t- that the time and place is ordained and orchestrated by God. And I'm believing for koror, right place, right time moments in my own life, and I'm believing for koror moments for you, the listener, as well. The first thing that we could note about this idea of koror, right place, right time, is that koror happens to us all. The Ecclesiastes, it says, time and chance come to us all. The question is, are we looking for these moments and are we preparing ourselves for them? Every day in my role as a police chaplain with the Queensland Police, I, I ask God for koror moments. Every day when I'm driving on my way to a station or to a, a particular unit, I'm praying, Lord, let me be the right person in the right place at the right time with the right words to say. And on one particular day, just a couple of months ago, I uh, just prayed that prayer and I had this thought to stop into a particular unit. They're quite an elite unit within the Queensland Police. What I didn't know was that they hadn't had any uh, chaplain or padre connection for a long time. And so I was let in through the security doors. I take a bag of Kit Kats with me most places uh, just to hand out and, and try and build some connection. And as I walked in and I met one of the officers and I, I said to him, uh, Hi, my name's Artie Shepherd. I'm the new chaplain for the district. And he said, Padre, come in. This is perfect timing. He said, I was just sitting here this morning thinking, I've got to find someone for these guys to be able to talk to. They need someone to talk to. They're going through so much. They're dealing with so many things and they need someone to help them. And I'm th- sitting here thinking, who am I going to get? And then you've walked in. So if you're happy to be our padre, you're our padre. And so that's what's that? That's right place, right time. It can happen to us all, but are we ready for those moments? The second thing about it is that Karor requires a response from us all. How do we prepare ourselves for this? I, I would suggest and encourage you to, it, it's about seeking God first. What did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. Everything else comes into alignment and is added to us. So seek God first. Uh, Next, it's submit to God's word and God's ways. Psalm 119 says that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. If we want to be led to the right place at the right time and stay away from the wrong place at the wrong time, let's follow God's word and live life his way. Karor also means to lay beams for a floor. In other words, Karor, right place, right time, it takes preparation. And when we do the best we can with what we've got, it's amazing what Karor moments can happen in our lives. Moses was just tending his father-in-law's sheep, and it led him to a burning bush encounter with God. David was just taking cheese sandwiches to his brothers, and it led him to his defining moment with Goliath. Rebecca was just drawing water from the well for a stranger, and she ended up becoming part of the lineage of Jesus. Peter, James, and John were just cleaning their fishing nets. And then they met Jesus who said, come, follow me. I'm believing for Koror moments for all of us, that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, and however things look for us right now, that we would know that God is positioning us as the right person in the right place at the right time. Acts chapter 17 Verse 26, 27, it says that God determined the time set for them and the exact place where they should live. Why? So that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. I want to pray. Wherever you are and whatever's happening in your life right now, I'm believing for right place, right time moments 
for you. As you're preparing yourself, seeking God first, submitting your life to his word and his ways, following after him, that you would find yourself in the right place at the right time in a divine setup. But I also want to pray and give people an opportunity to maybe even for the first time, maybe the first time in a long time, to personally in this right place and right time to accept the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ for yourself and to say yes to him. So I I would invite you to pray a simple prayer that says something like this, Lord Jesus, this is the moment I say yes to you. Yes to your free gift of grace and forgiveness for my sin. Yes to a brand new start. I submit my life to your word, your will, and your ways. I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Sunday morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. I think you you, you passed the test, mate. The best five-minute message we've heard today. Whoa. Well, it's a big statement. Karor. That's it. I've not heard that word before, but I just love that um, that whole idea of being in the right place at the right time. And for what you do as a chaplain, mm. it really is what chaplaincy is, isn't it? It's kind of this ministry of presence. you just got to keep turning up. Absolutely. Always believing that any conversation could just be the perfect conversation for that moment. Mm. And that prayer at the start of each day, you know, God, place me where you want me to be today, mm-hmm. I think actually puts our posture in the right place, if you know what I mean. Like Absolutely. We're, we're actually saying, well, God, you use me somehow. I don't know how it's going to play out, but please, mm-hmm. I'm available. That's, that's the first step to it, isn't it? It's being open and aware and having our eyes open to it. Yeah, good stuff. So thanks for sharing that. Really good. Now, we're going to take communion uh, together again this morning very soon. So now's a good time to prepare your heart uh, toward that. That's coming up very soon. We do it twice on a Sunday morning to give everyone the opportunity um, but you've mentioned a couple of times, in fact, uh, in your message there before, you said the, uh, you know, I may have the wrong words here, but I think I got the sentiment, the the most beautiful girl in the world, Alana. Mm-hmm. That's her. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She wasn't interested you. She in wasn't you interested at, at all. So we, we met, I went to a new school. That was the school I was talking about earlier, Nambour Christian College. We met on the school bus. Okay. Now, whenever you say that to people, straight away, they say, ah, oh, high school sweethearts. Yeah. No, no, no. Far from it. Yeah. Uh I saw her get off the school bus on my first day at a new school, and I thought, this is going to be a good school. Um, <laughs> she showed me to my class. Um, I I was smitten, and she was She didn't know you not, existed? No, no, she didn't want a bar of me. Uh, and in, in fact, it was about uh, seven years. Well, it was. From when we met to when we got married, it was seven years. Wow. And, um, and I just- this was smitten by her the whole time, still am today. Uh, and what was the aha moment for her? Anything you did or was it a revelation of God? Um, uh, let's let's just say finally she saw some sense. <laughs> <laughs> What's her number? Well, I think we should read yeah, her. Yeah, that's right. Get she, her side of the story. She has a very different side of the story. <laughs> um, I mean, you've got uh, three, three kids, uh, Eliza, uh, Isaiah, and mm-hmm. Zara. Mm-hmm. Um, three teens, young adults. That's right. So, you know, maybe for those who've got younger kids, what's the big advice that you can give now that yours are mostly through that teen Yeah, wow. Well, I, I would say, in, in fact, you should get my wife on one time to talk <laughs> about this. She's the expert. But uh, it's making the most of every moment. Yeah. Um, I had to learn early on. I was so easily just distracted by so many other things. And so, you know, I wanted every stage to be over so I could get to the next one. Yeah. Um, but then to realize that it goes so quick. Everyone tells you that as mm-hmm. a parent, don't they? You know, make the most of every moment because it goes so quick. And you think when you're in the thick of it, and you've got toddlers and you've got nappies yeah. and you've got everything going on. You think, oh, gee, this is taking forever. But it does. It goes so fast. Yes. And so making the most of every moment, uh, make, building traditions for our family has been really powerful and spending time together, lots of time. We've we've fought for that. We've made it a, a just a priority in our family. It's you know it's dinner at the table together. It's spending time together. Uh, it's being in in each other's lives. And our kids are just a, the greatest gift from God to us. They're not complicated things, are they? But you've got to actually make decisions to do it. That's right. It's all about being intentional. Sunday morning Sunday together. Morning together.
across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. We're nearly at the uh, the end of our time together this morning and it's been just so good to spend some time with Artie Shepherd today, a, a sports chaplain, also a chaplain with Queensland Police. He's been a pastor of churches over the years and uh, you just inspired us with some good thoughts this morning, a bit of storytelling, so thank you. Thanks, Phil. It's been, honestly, such a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you and with your listeners. Now, well, you get one more thing to do here this morning. Normally at this, uh, this point, I'll invite my guest to pray for our nation or at least lead us in a prayer for our nation. Before we do, how ought we be praying, do you reckon, for, uh, for our nation, for our leaders? It's a fascinating time for our nation, uh, nations all around the world, but it is, uh, the, what can we be praying for? We, we need wisdom. Mm. Uh, you know, the Bible says if anyone lacks wisdom, yeah, let him ask, yeah. uh, and God generously pours it out. Uh, we need wisdom in our nation at every level, every level of government, every level of society, uh, to know the right way forward. Mm. Well, let's do that. Can you lead us? Absolutely. All right. Father, we thank you for this great land of Australia. We're, we're blessed and privileged to live in this place. Father, we thank you for your hand to rest upon this nation and that at every level of society, from those who are those who are hurting, those who are disconnected, those who are disadvantaged for whatever reason, or through to those who are privileged and, and living in abundance, those who are in positions of authority and influence and leadership in this nation, at every level of government, those who lead the way in education and in science and in sport and entertainment and media in every part of our nation's fabric and fiber. Oh, we just pray for your hand to be upon it. Lord, would you let your grace be seen? Would your goodness be seen? Would your church be strong in this land? That your people would be strong. And God, that you would give us great wisdom. Father, that there would be wisdom to govern this land well. Or that there would be wisdom for decisions that are to be made. That there would be wisdom in uh, significant decisions that are coming up for our nation. Or that there would be wisdom for church leaders and Christian leaders and, and just your, your people. Your people who are listening right now in every part of society that they're involved in. Would you give us supernatural wisdom? Would you give us the wisdom of heaven to know the right things to say, the right things to do? the right steps to take so that we can give you honor and glory in this land. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm, Amen. Great prayer. Well, thanks once again for coming in, being part of this this morning. You're a real blessing. Thank you, mate. Have a wonderful day. I'll catch you again next weekend for more Sunday Morning Together. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.